What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Pitcher Bet Sports Podcast. I am your host, Matt Guest, and with me out in Las Vegas is Matthew Morris getting ready for F1, baby. Yeah, dude. <laughs> What's up, bro? Uh, I, can't, I, I hear you're itching for it, and all the locals out there can't wait for those dumb cars to come into town. I just can't wait for it to be over and for traffic to hopefully go back to normal. Um, it was really interesting. I had a coworker the other day make a really cool comment where where our restaurant is located uh, within Win Las Vegas is, I think he said, like 80 feet from Sands or Spring Mountain, if you're familiar with Vegas. It's basically the street that cuts Venetian and Wynn um, as you head off Las Vegas Boulevard. It is going to be one of the turns for the the cars as they make their their loop around uh around around the strip and he was like yeah so when they drive by like we are not only going to hear them he's like i wonder if like not the building's going to shake but like if you're going to feel the energy of these cars and this horsepower fly by and i was like that's pretty sick <laughs> and if we do i'm going to be totally stoked for that um yeah well i mean we'll be at work when the race is going on and even if we weren't it's like fifteen hundred dollars a ticket right now and i just joked like it's fifteen hundred dollars to watch a car go 200 miles an hour past you and wait for it to come by again in five minutes and uh not sure i'd be spending my money on that but hey <laughs> to each their own um yeah it'll be really monumental for vegas though yeah, the TV copy will be cool. Um, Dude, I you cannot know, wait this, for the highlights. Yeah, I mean, this this is just the wrong group of dudes and wrong podcast to get fired up about racing. Like, I get it when you're into it, but it just, it's just never for me. Granted, I never saw the Netflix series. I've heard it's phenomenal, but racing is just, I don't know, it's just never been my thing. But I, I am excited to see the TV copy, the Instagram, you know, the yeah. sphere in the background. It's going to be great, but to be honest, I, I get what your buddy or your coworker is saying, but at the end of the day, bro, the fucking speakers with music in your bar are going to be going off. You guys aren't even going to know. There's no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Uh, cars are going by. Are you going to climb the wall? It's 40 yeah, you're stories. Like, you're like, well, Justin Bieber and Drake are over there performing. Like the, I can't even hear myself think right now. Okay. Like just <laughs> chill out. <laughs> well, I said, I think like I said to him and jokingly, of course, I was like, screw reopening the strip. Let's just do, like a strip bonanza where like every day it's closed and $10,000 gets like a you a car party. and everybody it's a racetrack. Now $10,000, you get a fucking NASCAR car and you know, your liability, get your insurance premiums up and you just let it rip. Um, amateur <laughs> racing, NASCAR races. I said, we could have a race here every day. I was like already traffic's shitty. Might as well make it worse. Uh, yeah, I like jokes that. of course, but like, I think that would be, I think it'd be really cool. I've also talked about like how we should possibly just shut down the strip and make it more like Fremont where it's walking. Uh, people have really hate that idea because you'd have to change infrastructure and you'd have to put a monorail up and down because who wants to really actually walk that from, let's just say, wind to Mandalay Bay. Um, but yeah, dude, we're, we're stoked. Two weeks away. In two weeks, I'll be sitting here after it's over and I'm stoked on that. 
Yeah, for sure. We'll see how your body's feeling. You'll probably be <laughs> rounding into your 15th sickness of 2023, but that's okay. Uh, we uh, on the other note, we've got a we got a busy podcast today. We've got some fun stuff. We we're gonna recap a little bit of week 10, some of our biggest takeaways, some storylines that we took away from the week. Talk about C.J. Stroud chiefs josh allen and other stuff but what we wanted to start the first half of the podcast with today was something matt had brought up that was pretty interesting and we did some research and uh, he's gonna lead this first half of the podcast a little bit about the past couple years in big trades and how they've panned out and a theme that you noticed and we kind of want to touch on for the first 30 minutes of the podcast now that we are removed officially from the trade deadline in the nfl and as we see some of these contenders make moves and some of these teams that sold sold so matt i will pass the mic off to you to get your take underway and then we'll start breaking down some of these past trades and how they've transpired for teams that won a super bowl and that some teams that are competing now yeah, so and we have hinted at this, I think, now for a number of years. It's something we we wanted to dive into. If you remember back, for those of you that have been listening to us for a while, we covered some of the past drafts last year and really dove into best drafts, worst drafts, and and kind of the implementation uh, implementation that teams have taken with utilizing their picks. But today we want to talk about past trades, and I went over. Basically, the predominant trades that I could remember, I referenced a few lists that actually had some trades that I thought were pretty ridiculous and not even worth talking about on like top 10 trades of the decade. But after seeing all the data and really going pick by pick and who teams chose with those picks or players that were swapped, I really came to a very simple conclusion, which was you trade for stars. You trade away players that are fringe stars or maybe exiting that star prime period in their careers and you go ahead and you rebuild the organization i think the last piece is if you have players that are cap handcuffs move on from those guys if you feel like you can bring in value and for all three of those circumstances we have a lot of examples today that i think will really showcase that exact takeaway and how it has really changed teams and how it's also really hindered teams so kind of kicking us off in a few names that we had seen in the past week trade uh, traded from organization to organization. We saw Chase go to the 49ers. We saw Sweat go to Chicago and then sign the extension. So they do now have their pass rusher of the future. And then we saw Williams sent to Seattle for a second round pick. And then in the last couple of years, there were a couple of trades we wanted to notate. Uh, and that was AJ Brown essentially for Traylon Burks, kind of a straight up deal. Eagles ended up getting Brown. Tennessee got the pick to take Burks. And then CMC to the 49ers, which was a number of picks. I want to say a second, a fourth, a fifth. Um, we we don't have those players listed because they just haven't been able to show an impact. There hasn't been enough time for that data to settle in. But early on, it looks like both of those were absolute home runs. The teams that acquired the, the stars won the deal so far. Um, and I think it will stay that way because what it looks like for the most part what the Carolina Panthers acquired in that CMC deal is not going to really lay a foundation for their team. Yeah. And I think your usage of the word stars is obviously um, not very objective, right? Like star means something different to everyone. Correct. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, what I I define as stars and with the last two examples of AJ Brown, Christian McCaffrey, it's guys that are going to move the needle for your team and make an impact day one. Right. And I'm really interested to see this weekend as the San Francisco 49ers um take on jacksonville is how chase young is gonna fit into that puzzle piece 
with Nick Bosa because what I'm seeing in my mind and what you would do if you played a video game around Madden is the quarterback is going to have literally one second to throw the ball because the pocket is going to be collapsing on both sides into the quarterback. And that could be something else that completely transpires and elevates the 49ers defense more than it already is. And what you've seen from the AJ Brown and the Christian McCaffrey trades in comparison to some of these other ones that were failures that we're going to get into is that McCaffrey literally hasn't not scored a touchdown every game he's been a Niner, right? The only game that they've really lost that of any value was that NFC championship game would pretty hurt his UCL. AJ Brown on the flip side took Jalen Hurts from a mid-level quarterback to, in my opinion, a top five guy, right? And you're seeing him put out one of the best seasons of his career this year. He had a great season last year. And right now, I mean, the argument's kind of him and Tyreek Hill for the top two receivers in the league. So trading for those guys is worth any amount of draft picks, at least to us, based on the data that we're going to provide here. Well, that's interesting. Before we jump into some of the teams that have made deals, either for the betterment of themselves or for the lesser than, I think it's interesting that the NFL is really kind of starting to mirror the NBA in regards to players don't necessarily hit free agency and have a bidding war. It's more or less teams are trading them away. Extensions are being signed. Extensions are being promised to. If you look at the sweat trade, that he had basically told them or they were under the impression that he was a lock stock deal to sign and he was going to be their pass rusher for the next four years. He gets to town and the report comes out. Maybe he doesn't sign. Maybe he wants to see the direction of the organization. Well, the next day he's, he's signing his contract. I'm sure <laughs> yeah. that number went up just enough where he said, I'll do it. And you look at Devonte Adams, you look at Aaron Rodgers, you look at Christian McCaffrey, you look at AJ Brown, you look at Tyreek Hill. I mean, this list goes on and on and on and on. And we'll talk about some of those names, but Teams aren't able to just say, hey, you know what? We'll wait for free agency to address our wide receiver issue here. You know, DeAndre Hopkins being, I think, arguably the best wide receiver available this offseason, up until two weeks ago, he looked like he was washed. Well, enter rookie quarterback, second round pick, boom, DeAndre Hopkins back in the fold. And that's kind of lucky. But we also talked about last episode of some of these players from Chase to Sweat to Williams in Seattle. They don't, these type of players in the past have not hit the free, uh, the, the trade market. They've always been free agents and you can't sign them because you don't have enough cap and blah, 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 blah. Now we're really seeing that transition to go ahead and move some of your assets, bring in the star, help the young quarterback, you know, help solidify the defense with Chase or Williams. And I think, as I said, with it mirroring the NBA, this could get really interesting. Yeah, I know it's it is interesting now that the players I wouldn't say they have half the power that the players in the NBA have. You know, you see James Harden last week just go over to the Clippers and, you know, there's countless examples that we don't really necessarily need to go through again on guys getting their way out of town and going to play with their their best friends. But at the end of the day, we are seeing a little bit of a transition there when it comes to contract negotiation, right? I think Tyreek Hill had his interview. I don't know if it was on a podcast yeah. or if he was playing video games or whatever it was. I think it was a podcast. I can't really remember. But where he said, oh, my agent was just trying to strong arm the Chiefs and just strong arm them and get a contract extension going. He wanted to get his money. And they were like, okay, go ahead, explore a trade and see what you can do. And boom, he's in Miami. Gone. Right. And it worked out for both of them at the end of the day. I know he's on our list here, but that is not how it used to go. Shoot. What? Like even four or five years ago, it feels like that's a really, really new thing that happened when Devonte and Tyreek kind of went out of town. The next, thing you know, was AJ Brown, the Marquise Hollywood Brown 
for um, the Ravens that year as well. So you're seeing a little bit of a change for specific positions, right? Like the wide receiver position, the DM position, Roquan Smith, Smith with Baltimore, um, which I don't, I don't want to hijack your list here, but it, it is, <laughs> I don't, I don't disagree with you. Like, I think we are starting to see a little bit more of that player empowerment and the agents taking a little bit more advantage of their negotiating power, right? Hey, you want this dollar amount? I'll make phone calls to different GMs and agents and teams and see if we can get in that ballpark. And if we can, it's a win for you to get your money, but also we can provide some value to your current team. So it feels like a win-win at the end of the day. It's pretty cool. Well, and let's just jump into it. I mean, we can kind of jump ahead here and we wanted to kind of talk about teams specifically and some of these players um, either positively or negatively switched sides. We have the Seahawks with Frank Clark, who is I have listed under Chiefs because it was a benefit for the Chiefs. It helped them win a championship. And in turn, it really didn't help the Seahawks. But the Seahawks have a list of positive movement and trades of their own. If, if you are a fan, you know the Russell Wilson deal will be on our list. But Matt, let's talk about Tyreek Hill. I mean, we just spoke about him a little bit. Um, you know, you kind of detailed exactly what happened there where Hill really wanted to stay in Kansas City and boom, all of a sudden he's in Miami. And, you know, I think this was a win-win for both sides, as you had said as well. But for me, it's because of the few players that the Chiefs were able to draft with picks they received from Miami. So Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins, essentially what Kansas City ended up with was Sky Moore, essentially a starter slash a slot receiver, right? Like questionable, but I think he's playing. So there's a plus. Um, Trent McDuffie, a guy we covered in the draft series, a guy we really liked and a player that's playing at a high level, um, and only going to develop even more so and a very team friendly rookie deal. That is the key there. Uh, Darian, uh, Kennard, not familiar, uh, Rasheed Rice, obviously a player they just took in this past draft, a player that we are looking to definitely have production numbers go up, not only for fantasy, but for Patrick Mahomes to have a receiver he can rely on. Uh, and then. Another player in a fourth round pick in this coming draft. From my perspective, Matt, they got three fringe starters and one of them being a very good starting cornerback. I think that's a win. Well, and ultimately, I think they're the unique case in some of these mm -hmm. more recent trades that we'll get to is they won the Super Bowl last year, but there's also levels to it is the, the money they didn't have to pay for Tyreek that they paid to Juju Smith, who say what you want about him. He did make an impact for that team in a positive light last year to help them get to the Super Bowl and eventually win it. Now, my take on the Chiefs is I think they are now reaping the the consequence yeah. of this uh, of this trade this year because there's a glaring hole in that team and a glaring weakness, and it is their receivers. Sky Moore, he's a wide receiver three at best, right? Rasheed Rice is showing flashes, but he's not making catches and he's making crucial mistakes and must have moments. Um, and Travis Kelsey's getting older and he's getting double teamed, right? They really don't have a viable wide receiver. And in my opinion, that that's going to cost them getting to either the AFC championship game or the Super Bowl. But regardless, making that move was still a win for them because they ended up winning the Super Bowl last year. I think now we're going to see the consequences of that action start to take fold a little bit more um, now that we're in year two post trade of Tyreek Hill. Well, and I think this is the window too. Um, and I don't want to get bogged down here because we do have a number of players on this list, but you know, we've talked about it on the show a lot, your opinion specifically, the frustration you had with Packers front office and management with not applying draft picks and pressure to get Aaron Rodgers weapons. And I think now we are in the window for the Chiefs to look back on history and say, okay, 
hey, we took Sky Moore, I think second round, maybe we should have traded up. Maybe we should have got this guy. Okay, 2024 draft, we have you know first and a second, maybe we move up to 20 and we take a wide receiver. Sure, we might lose a starting right guard, but we, we need to get him that weapon and we will sacrifice that depth to make sure our offense is where we need it to be. And if they don't, as we have said on the show before, he could follow in the footsteps of Aaron. You know, obviously having another Super Bowl already, but like if you don't get him weapons, this is not the same Chiefs team it was even last year. Defense is better though, right? And it's because of mm-hmm. some of those picks, ironically. It's because of Bolton in the second round. It's because of McDuffie in the second round. Um, things that didn't happen to work out for other teams. So uh, another trade they made though, Matt, and this one also paid dividends for a Super Bowl championship and it benefited your second favorite team, Orlando <laughs> Brown from Baltimore for a uh, first rounder in 2021, which turned into Hawaii. Um, I always say his name wrong. You go Oye. ahead and shoot it. Oway. Um, I love this trade for both teams. And I think obviously Brown now is no longer with the Chiefs, but Oway is a very, very prominent uh, defender for Baltimore. And I think has really helped set a foundation for that defense. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you can just, we'll just double down and I'll steal the other one off your list is them, is them trading for Roquan too, right? They, they dished off what you had mentioned, right? That contract that Orlando Brown's one of the top tackles in the league, but didn't fit into the salary cap. The Ravens do a really good job at developing linemen and they have such a unique style that, you know, not that they don't need tackles, but with Lamar and the way they play, they could let them walk and they did, right? And it ended up being the right decision for them based on the draft pick. And then that cap space was able to go get that sign and trade we just talked about with the receivers. Roquan Smith, same thing, traded for him, signed him to the extension immediately. And now him and Patrick Queen are the best linebacker tandem in the NFL, bar none. The Ravens defense is playing the best that they have in shit since ray lewis terrell suggs right so that was what five six years ago now maybe longer shoot i don't know i'm old um but they played this recipe in your take perfectly right go trade for the star give up a little bit there not a ton i think they they traded away like uh what was it matt a a second second and a fifth yeah uh, uh, was, that's what it looks uh, Matt, like. I don't even think it was. It was no, you're right. It was a second, so it was two pick fifty two. So deep in the second and a fifth. Yeah, for Who the cares? best middle linebacker in <laughs> football. We'll, we'll say yeah. the top three middle linebacker in football. You can oh, have the God. argument however you'd like it, right? Um, you get him to pair up with your your young guy, and in Baltimore's defense is carrying them. We we're I was just arguing with some dude on Twitter about this, saying that. The Ravens didn't have legitimate wins, man. They've stopped, which is just stupid, but they stopped Detroit. They've stopped Seattle. They've beaten Cincinnati already. I posted your take on TikTok and Instagram for us about, hey, if you're a betting person, maybe you want, might want to put your ticket on Lamar because he's somehow the fifth highest or fifth lowest odds for MVP behind plenty of guys I don't think should be in front of him. Um a home run for the Ravens and we're seeing that pay dividends this year for them. And they, they, in my opinion, them and the Bengals are one, two to get to the Super Bowl, which is a topic for another time. Well, and, and Matt, you know, you said it, they, they paired up this three way trade, trade for stars or superstars, trade your fringe guys or your fringe, you know, stars, guys exiting the prime. And then you trade your salary cap handcuffs. They played it literally perfectly, but so did the chiefs, right? Acquiring Frank Clark, when they had a pass rush that was lacking, you know, acquiring Orlando Brown, when the Rams absolutely took him to town without any offensive line help, like that was I paid dividends, won another Super Bowl with that. 
And I think this is the trend we're going to see as we move through this list, which is really good organizations can make a trade work for both sides. Really bad organizations look really, really, really bad. And I think we can transition <laughs> to the top of the list here. Talk about the Bears, right? You just talked about the Roquan Smith trade. Not only did they trade one of the best middle linebackers in the game for a late second round pick and a fifth, they then ended up going out and signing a top 10 middle linebacker and spending a good amount of money on him. Yeah. yeah fringe, right? Um, in Edmonds. And you look at the logic of why would you do this for, again, a guy, this is uh, Dexter Sr. is the player. He's a defensive lineman, 52. It's it's still early. I don't want to, I don't want to really shit on him and say he's not good, but it, it doesn't make any logic. And it's like, well, the Bears look at their history. We'll move on to the next trade. Bears trade and move up from 20 to 11 to draft fields. Essentially, with the Giants here, Giants took the 20th pick from the Bears. They took Tony. Okay, that didn't work out. But the Bears also ended up giving them their 2022 first round pick. The Giants ended up taking Thibodeau with that pick. What does that then force the Bears to do? Because they don't have a pass rush. They then have to go trade for Marquez Sweat. Like either the domino effect of poor decisions continues, not only from this year, but the next year to three years down the road. And I think that kind of leads right into the uh, Mitch Trubisky trade where the Bears trade up from three to two, take Trubisky. They go ahead and give the 49ers a good amount of picks. One of those picks ended up turning into Fred Warner. Um, and then one of the other picks ended up turning into Alvin Kamara, which was flipped to the Saints. I think the biggest travesty that we look back on history isn't necessarily that the Bears gave up assets to take Trubisky. We think about how they did not take Deshaun, they did not take Pat Mahomes. But again, detailed history of poor management, of poor prospect development, and ultimately poor scouting leads the Bears to where they are today. This track record alone with Roquan, um, with the 11th pick for Fields and then Trubisky, just goes to show you the difference of the Bears organization, the Baltimore organization, and then the Chiefs. Yeah, it's funny to see it lie, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it laid out like this because it looks like basically when they knew, and, and this is obviously a different front office, different GM at this point in time, but it seems like they've just been trying to make up for the previous mistake mm -hmm. instead of taking a more logical approach. And I think the Roquan Smith is is the cherry on top for all this. It's not the Justin Fields. It's not the Trubisky. People miss on first round quarterbacks all the time, yeah. right? Like it happens every year. It happens, man. Like you miss on Mahomes, you miss on Watson. Watson isn't as excusable as Mahomes, in my opinion, like in hindsight, obviously. Yeah, but Mahomes fell into a good situation, blah, 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 blah. But it, OK, you miss on Trubisky. You trade up for Fields because you're like, we need to get this quarterback. We screwed it up last time. The two guys that we didn't get are going to Pro Bowls, winning Super Bowls, so on and so forth. Right. Oh, in that we're going to give up Kayvon Thibodeau. Oh, you know, that that pick. Great. Yep. Okay. Screw Roquan Smith. He wasn't with us. We didn't draft him. Let's let him go. He's not that valuable. He's going to be washed. We don't want to pay him. End up paying two middle linebackers because you realize <laughs> that was a mistake. Then you go and sign a DN who, you know, is fringe top 10. And now we're using all of this cap space on, you know, very good professional football players, but to the point of in quotes stars, right? Like who's yep. actually going to make an impact on winning for you respectfully. I don't think those three guys are, and it's just a really, really funny to see from Trubisky to now, right? That's about five years. If my math's correct, maybe six years of decisions 
and they're in the same exact spot, they're going to have not even the Carolina pick. They're going to have another top five pick this year and no winning season to show for any of these moves. Well, and that brings me into the Claypool deal. It wasn't one I was going to talk about, but it just goes back into the reiterating of trying Which turn to turn into Joey Porter Jr. Correct, right? Yeah. So a slap duct tape on the problem and keep moving forward as the water shoots out in 15 different directions. You're giving up what was Joey Porter Jr. Okay. You know, that sucks. We've moved past that. They just did it again for sweat. They yep. gave him a second round pick, top of the second round with the way things are, tra- are, are trending. Let's just assume it's going to end up in a good player, right? So now with this list of players that are very talented on cheap deals continues to grow because Thibodeau is much cheaper than Sweat is. And you continue to see the poor management of this organization. And the really interesting thing on one of the articles I was reading while doing this research, it literally said a last ditch effort by enter GM, former GM of the Bears to get his quarterback in order to save his job. That was like a, the formation of the quote in a different order, obviously. And I laughed because I remember now that's exactly what he was doing is he was going to be fired. This was his last ditch effort to make up for the years of waste with Nagy and Trubisky and, you know, not taking Watson. And he set the organization back yet again, new regime comes in to try to clean up the mess. They start making their own mistakes. And it, it just reminds me a lot of that decade to decade and a half that the Browns went through, which we'll get to where they're the same shit over and over and over, just trying to make up for past mistakes. Um, yeah, for sure. Matt, why don't we jump to Packers? You go ahead. I mean, I'm going to let, let you have this one here because this is going to highlight, again, a good organization and and not necessarily enough data, but I think we're starting to see kind of the Chiefs-Ravens concept of win-win here for both sides. Yeah, it's interesting. The Packers are, are a really interesting use case because they traded a star. It didn't really work out great for the Raiders, right? I think everyone would still argue Devontae Adams, top five wide receiver in the league, what, what he can do. He had an amazing season with Derek Carr, but it didn't really trans translate to wins and losses over there. And I think that's more of an organizational issue than a Devontae Adams issue. But still, I think this out of everything we're going to talk about today on the podcast doesn't go towards your yep. take. I think this is the con- this is the counter. Right now, the Devontae Adams trade specifically turns into Quay Walker and Christian Wa- uh, Christian Watson for the Packers, which, to be honest, probably a win, right? Yep. A win-win for everyone. Quay Walker looks like he's going to be a really, really good linebacker. Christian Watson, he still has a really high ceiling. I am whatever about him. He was our lowest graded receiver that we went over in that draft series as far as uh, the top picks were concerned that year, but... He's got a high ceiling, right? We can't fully write him off quite yet. Then the next year they trade for Aaron, they trade Aaron Rodgers away to the Jets. Um not not shit on Rodgers, but regardless of how this goes, that's a home run for the Packers, right? Aaron Rodgers' body was deteriorating, could not foresee an Achilles injury coming, right? But they end up getting the 15th uh, the the pick swap in the first get Lucas Van Ness for it who too early to tell he looks good, but he's also super young. Get Luke Musgrave out of it, who seems to be a pretty solid tight end. And then next year they'll have a look probably mid round second pick now, a mid second round pick. Um, but ultimately got off the Aaron Rodgers contract. And unfortunately for the jets, I don't know if this is ever going to be a win, right? Rodgers is coming back from the Achilles side note. 
don't buy into him throwing the football. Um, in my opinion, it would be moronic of that organization to let him get back on the field behind that offensive line. To be quite honest with you, I don't, I don't care how good the Achilles is. I'm happy he's healing the way he is. And we're going to see Aaron Rodgers play in the NFL again. I'm, I'm actually ecstatic about that. But once again, tangent here, I just don't think it's responsible <laughs> of the jets to let him play behind that O line. But at the end of the day, the Packers are the most interesting use case to your take. Um, it is kind of what I got from these notes here. Yeah. Well, and you know, it, it's a little earlier than what we've talked about with the chiefs, but it goes right into what I said. Good organizations tend to make better decisions than poor organizations. That's why they're good organizations. And really looking back on drafts as we have, you know, about a year ago, you can really see the scouting kind of come through for these good organizations. I mean, yeah, sure. The Packers probably wanted Laporta or Meyer at, at that pick where Musgrave got taken. I would, I would imagine. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Musgrove was their guy on the board, um, but he still looks good, right? We've talked on length about Van Ness and the the concern of not having Gary, or maybe Gary doesn't come back the same way because we've had the other ACL injuries not really work out in our favor. It's like, well, okay, like they're taking better players than some of the teams that we have on this list, and we can just see that from Quay Walker and from Christian Watson. So I, again, I think good organizations made the right decision. And I think the funny thing about Devante is from the, from it being a variable outside of the realm of what we're talking about here, not working out for the Raiders, he got to choose where he went. And I think when the Raiders got that call, we want to trade you Devante Adams. Here are our terms. You'd be stupid not to say yes. You know, they, they weren't in a position or a window to know that they were going to win the AFC West, but you don't say no to Devonte Adams, right? And unfortunately, everything that could have gone wrong from their coach being racist to their quarterback underperforming and being traded. I mean, it's been an absolute dumpster fire here in Vegas. Devonte just happened to come to town as those dominoes started to fall. Um, but transitioning here, because I think the Rogers take is really important because you talked about the body starting to deteriorate because of age. This goes into our next trade, which was the Seahawks moving on from Russell Wilson. And this was something when it happened, you and I were kind of divided on. You had really supported Russell Wilson and rightfully so. And I had from a kind of early stage kind of jumped off the bandwagon because I do that. And when he was traded, I still think the league looked at him as a superstar and a star in, inside of our classification here. And Denver paid for it. I mean, Russ went over for Drew Locke, who was a second round pick. He went over for Noah Fant, who was a first round pick. Shelby Harris at the time was a very good defensive end. 2022 pick, which turned into Charles Cross, a starting offensive tackle now for them, if he's not hurt. Uh, 2023 pick five, Witherspoon, we absolutely love. 2023 second round pick as well, Derek Hall, edge rusher. 2022 second round, um, Boy Mafi, who I think also is a defensive lineman. This was an absolute killing of a trade. I mean, it's all over <laughs> social media and national media, yeah. but they... So the Seahawks did it perfectly in this little formula. We have trade him right before the end of his prime, trade him right as the handcuff of the salary comes in and completely reset your roster. Yeah. And I think the final piece to perfectly did this is they found the team that misclassified the yep. world star. Right. Yep. And, and yeah, you're right. Like when they made this trade, I was like, Oh shit. This is going to make the Broncos a contender. I was drinking the Kool-Aid. I had always been a Russ fan as a football player, not as a person. Um, 
I thought he <laughs> he's just a fucking he's super corny. I love you. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I always had faith in him as a football player. I really like we love Javante Williams, right? He had didn't yep. have the ACL at the time. Uh, they had a good wide receiver core, blah, blah, blah. Um, I was wrong. The Broncos were wrong. The Broncos were wrong. The Broncos were very wrong. I don't think in the moment it didn't seem like the the wrong move because Russ still had a little bit more in the tank than a 38-year-old Aaron Rodgers, right? As far as like age yeah. is concerned. But in hindsight, this is going to go down as one of the worst trades in NFL history, right? Now, what is Seattle going to do with it, right? They hit they hit on Geno Smith. They got lucky there. Let's be honest, right? But Geno Smith is still, man, he's still an average QB at the end of the day, right? We love Geno. We support Geno. We think he's definitely should be the starter, but they need to see the success of this team here in the next couple seasons, especially now after making the trade for Leonard Williams. Um, We talked about it last week or the week before. I can't quite remember, but it seems like they're making this revamped version of the Legion of Boom 2.0. And I think that is the end of the day. That at the end of the day is the massive benefit to this trade, regardless if they can get it done with Geno in the next year or two, because now they will have another foundational core to go and compete every year with the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC West. But um, yeah, I think that misclassification, as I said, when I first gave my two cents of the word star, right? We all thought, well, not we all, I thought Russ would change the trajectory of this Broncos team. And this would be a Peyton Manning esque run over there. And it's been nothing but a dumpster fire for them and all rainbows and butterflies in Seattle. Well, yeah, and I mean, that leads us into the Williams trade, um, and I'm going to actually delete some of these notes here that aren't as enjoyable trades to talk about because we do have to get to uh, the recap of last week, but kind of swinging back to Williams, trading a second-round pick to the Giants, and I think maybe there was a fifth in, is involved as well, one of those who cares picks, just goes to, again, <laughs> re-solidify the defense because maybe Geno isn't the guy, but you know what? It makes a lot easier for any quarterback to enter this system when your defense is absolutely rock solid and you have two really good offensive tackles, two tackles that you happen to get with one of your own picks and one of the Broncos picks. And they've really built a foundation for this team that we have hit on for years, have a really good defensive line. Now that you have Williams start to develop some of these pass rushers that you took in the second round with other people's picks, have a great secondary. Okay. Things start to come together. Offensive lines looking good. You have Kenneth Walker. I think we could step in there and at least be pocket quarterbacks, you know, like <laughs> I'm, I'm joking, of course, but like it makes it a lot easier to have the question mark Geno Smith when everything else looks good. I mean, they even took uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba like, boom, you got you got your young wide receiver. Oh, you got to uh, you got DK Metcalf, another dominant young wide receiver. Like everything they're doing is perfect. But to your point, can they capitalize now? And that's something I think over the next couple of years we're going to have we're going to have to see. Um, they also made the deal for Von Miller that did not really work out for their favor. And this being the Broncos, um, ended up drafting, <laughs> uh, who is it here? Uh, Nick. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not too sure. No idea. Him. Once no, again, no don't idea. want to dump on him too early, you know, too early, but, um, but, but again, trade for stars. Look what it did to the Rams. Super yeah. Bowl. Well, um, and, the, and that's the last, that's the last trade of the list, right? Is, is what the Rams did to win their Super Bowl two years yeah. ago. Yeah. They go get, they go get Von Miller. They go get Matt Stafford, right? And I don't consider Stafford a star, but he moves the needle, right? He 
he for that McVeigh system, you're a lot higher on Goff than I am. But we, I think, are all in he did for that. he did what Goff could not do. I, exactly. I would, yes. Yes. Exactly. And he elevated Cup to that elite level. Yep. Cup was always above average. Very, very good. I'll let you get into it to talk a little bit about your guy Jared Goff and how it ended up working out on the flip side. Almost not because they've won a Super Bowl, but we'll see this year, bro. But how it's worked thus far for the Lions now, two years post trade. Yeah, I mean, when this trade went down, and we talked, I think we literally talked about this either a week ago or two weeks ago. We talked about it very recently, and I had said like my thought was this might actually rejuvenate Goff's career. I was like, the likelihood is the national narrative is correct that he will become a backup. But I was like, there's a chance he becomes their franchise quarterback and boom, lo and behold, that's what happened. So Jared Goff obviously was in the deal. And I think he was more or less in the deal a, because you need to get your starter out of town and B because they had signed him to an extension. So the money needed to change hands automatically. And then the Rams just said, you know what, let's sweeten the pot. We're going to give you a bunch of draft picks because presumably Jared Goff sucks. So they ended up drafting with those draft picks. Um, I, I can't even pronounce this name, but 2021 ended up being, if I'm correct, a defensive end. Um, I've played enough Madden where I've at least had him on my rosters a few times. Uh, 2021 <laughs> third, a 2022 first round pick, um, which was 12 Williams. They traded up for Williams, who... Jamison, we're still waiting. You know, we've had that conversation yeah. on the podcast. Um, another player, not really notoriety there. 2023 first, which was the sixth pick. They traded that for 12 and 34, which was Gibbs and Laporta. But I have a very small side note here, Matt. We love Gibbs, love Laporta, and so do the Lions with how they look with those two offensive starters. They look very good where they were able to replace TJ Hawkinson with Laporta, which is not even on our list, but Lions could have taken Jalen Carter at six. And that is the yeah. only thing I think I will look back on this draft where you could have Jalen Carter and Aiden Hutchinson absolutely wreaking havoc on the NFL. But on the flip side, you don't have Gibbs and you don't have Laporta. So it's not a lose. It's just something I think in memory, we're going to have to like put in the back of our heads and think about but this was absolutely a win-win-win for both organizations. I think the Rams gave up too much, but they won a championship. So really, who cares? Lions have completely reset their roster. They've given Jared Goff more weapons. They've continued to grow him as a, as a starting NFL quarterback. This was a fantastic trade. This may be my favorite NFL trade maybe ever based off what it did for both teams and for the players involved. Okay, so headlines, storylines talking points, whatever you want to call them from the week. That was week nine, the NFL, man, we're almost actually, we are over halfway now after this week. Mm. Bummer. Hate to see it. Um, first <laughs> thing flies, I want to talk about. Flies. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, first thing I wanted to talk about and, and just have a little fun to start. This is we had the game out in Germany, so I'm going to let you go first, but I want to hear your biggest overreaction <laughs> from the chiefs beating Miami in Germany. Yeah, man. And I, I watched uh, two quarters of this game. Um, couldn't sleep, obviously got off work late. It's kind of stoked. Awesome experience. I think first and foremost, starting off, like really cool to see the fans. there. really cool to see a different energy than you see in American games. Um, obviously this being America's sport, you know, kind of jumping over the pond and, and expanding. But my biggest takeaway was just when, when, um, the dolphins play good teams, they have issues getting too cute, falling back on their plays and sometimes trying to be more methodical with the way they operate their playbook. 
and they don't just let it rip. You know, Tua threw some incredible balls in that game, but he also wasn't helped by a double end end around by just silly nonsense that I think has worked against lesser opponents. Then you go up against Andy Reid. You go up against Patrick Mahomes, who doesn't have the flu, who executes and gets his team in field goal position, who drives down the field right off the bat and scores a touchdown and punches you right in the mouth, and your team needs to respond. And the second takeaway I have is Jeff Wilson and everyone that hyped him up is an absolute idiot. He is not <laughs> worthy of being in the NFL anymore. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's done. He's garbage. And he's just too injured, yeah. He's too injured. He he, he can't catch the ball to save his life. Um, and Raheem Moster in this game was really neutralized by a good defense. And I think this is where you're really going to need to see the health of HN when he comes back and then the health of Mostert. They are going to need to find ways to run the ball when they don't have the traditional pounding running back. And ultimately, I wasn't disappointed. I, I think I just took away my biggest takeaway, maybe even my biggest overreaction is the simple fact that the Dolphins coaching staff as a unit need to develop a little bit. They need to have a little more experience. They need to understand timing and place to implement some of these really fun gadget plays. Doing it against Andy Reid is a little more difficult, and it's going to take time for them to understand exactly how to operate their system against really elite level coaches and good teams. I agree. I think that's actually, uh, I wouldn't even say that's a massive overreaction. That was very level-headed of you, sir. I'm proud of you. Um, mine actually, and you kind of alluded to it in your take there, was that for the first time, it looks like Patrick Mahomes is actually getting carried by his defense for the mm. first time in his career that we're seeing this, right? This Kansas City defense is elite from their front seven to their DBs. Um, the play that they made on Tyreek Hill before halftime won them the ball game. And I had mentioned it earlier in the podcast, and I will stand by this for the rest of the year. I don't think Kansas City is going to make it to where they want to go this year because they've made a massive mistake on offense and they don't have a wide receiver that they can rely on. And if Travis Kelsey is neutralized, the Chiefs are in trouble. But the way that they overcome that, the only way they do that is because this defense and not Mahomes is actually carrying the team right now. And that's the first time in his career he's in a fortunate spot. That's a really, really great place for a legacy play and obviously for a quarterback at the caliber of Pat Mahomes. But I think they're in a really, really tough spot with this wide receiver position. I feel like this is something that we're going to bang on now for the next 9 to 12 weeks when the playoffs come around because I think this is our Buffalo running back times two situation here. Um, but that was my takeaway is I think this Kansas City defense is carrying this team, not Pat Mahomes. Well, and and we think back to what we just talked about with our trade segment, you know, like some of the moves they made, some of the investments they made where you look at other organizations. And again, I'll reference our Green Bay Packers when they took Bolton, when they took McDuffie, there were wide receivers on the board. Hey, take the wide receiver. And it's like, well, Packers took defensive guys and they didn't work out. The Chiefs took guys. And they're playing very good football. It's sometimes easier for other teams to follow the same narrative when players turn out to be better. Yeah. And I mean, is Bolton back? I'm just on the Google. He's not. Trying. He's he's not back okay. yet. And they still I didn't think played so. that good. Yes. Yeah. And, and and that's kind of my takeaway was I was under the impression, especially after their loss to the Broncos, that hey, Bolton is kind of the lifeblood of this team. Well, I think the Mahomes flu probably was the reality of, of losing that game, but having Bolton, having McDuffie, you know, being able to re-sign Chris Jones, which was a huge boost to this defense. I mean, the defensive leader coming back and, and cementing that front line, they've had things work in their favor. 
But you're right, Matt. Without a wide receiver, this team is going to have to beat the Dolphins, maybe the Chargers. They're going to have to go through maybe uh, the Bengals or the Bills. Like you're not going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Yes, it's going to be tough. And every one of these teams also has issues, which if you are on Bleacher Report and you see the parody video they released today, I found fantastic because it's the truth. Like you're seeing more and more parody in the NFL as opposed to the past where you had Kelsey, Mahomes, Tyreek, you know, you, you had Tyrone Matthew, like these things are changing because salary cap dynamic is changing, but right back to our trades. I love the Bolton. I love the McDuffie's because they're keeping this foundation for the chiefs alive. And they just might be a few draft picks away from getting an elite level wide receiver in the 2024 draft. Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Moving on to topic number two today is that CJ Stroud is that guy. Mm. Oh, um, an unbelievable historic rookie performance. Had 470 yards, five touchdowns on on 12 incompletions. And with all due respect, throwing the ball to Tank Dell, Nico Collins, Noah Brown, Dalton Schultz, no household names. CJ Stroud, we liked him, thought he was going to be good, but he is putting himself into the almost elite status of NFL quarterbacks. He's easily in the top 10 for quarterback play this year thus far, running away with the rookie of the year. And he's really making Carolina shake in their boots that they might have made a mistake because this kid looks like an absolute generational talent, finally out of Ohio State. Well, and you know, I threw the term around with you when we were in pre-recording generational talents, and I think that kind of just plays into what we talked about with each of us have their own label for certain things and the meaning of that. I think what they really drafted was a franchise quarterback with the ability to come out and probably be a guy that's top 10, top five over the next 10 years. You see it with his ball placement. You see it with the velocity. You see it with the arm strength. I mean, he is everything you want in a first round quarterback, a top five quarterback. He is it. You know, and we also talked about Bryce Young. We've talked about Jordan Love's struggles as a starter. We've you mentioned during our trade talks there how teams whiff on quarterbacks. It happens. Houston mm-hmm. did it. And I think about Carolina and how they chose young. They wanted young. Clearly they had the first pick. Maybe he turns out to be good too, but right now CJ shroud at two is making that number two pick look very nice for teams in the future because, Hey, just take what's on the board. And remember they did trade up as well to get Will Anderson at three. So they have their generational quarterback. They're going to be placed out of position in the future to get an elite level pass rusher. No problem. You drafted him with him. I think, again, from a roster constructive perspective, awesome move. And I don't know how Anderson's playing this year. I know the pedigree he had. That's, you know, maybe elite is is kind of bullish on him at the moment. But everything they did in that draft was beautiful, including bringing in Tank Dell last year or the year before. I think he was this was I think I he think was his past rookie. draft. No, I think this is his rookie year. Yeah, yeah, this rookie year. Yeah. So while he's not elite, it doesn't need to be when you have a generational quarterback yeah. out of the draft. And we talk about it, man. Like, who does who does Bryce Young have? Who does Jordan Love have? They have a bunch of guys that are learning to play football or are about to enter the retirement home. Um, <laughs> you know, sorry, Adam Thielen, yeah, you were great. And but... DJ in DJ Chark, like yeah. with with all due like you <laughs> all know, due respect, good solid players, but yeah, that's that's tough, man. And sorry to interrupt you, but I thought you made a really interesting point about maybe it's good to have two. And yeah. this this we just talked about the draft class last episode. 
Uh, maybe the one before I lose my train of thought this late at night when we do this shit. But it's it's interesting, man, because we we got Caleb Williams, right? Like Caleb's going one, barring something crazy happening, right? Yep. Who's lucky enough to sit there and decide Drake May? Or is it like, hey, are you the one after Drake May who gets to take JJ McCarthy? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, and like fall into, oh shit, we got Justin Herbert. Everyone wanted to, but oh, here's Justin Herbert. And yeah, he has his flaws, but holy shit, is he good to your point about about um, CJ Stroud. Justin Herbert has the arm strength, the mobility, the wow factor. He's a franchise quarterback, right? Will he win a Super Bowl? Who knows? But he's a guy that you want on your team every Sunday, right? And I, I think that's a really interesting comment that you made that you want to be too. You might want to be too, or you might want to have that big decision taken out of your hands. So there's a lot less pressure on you and your team so that you can focus on well, we're going to grab this quarterback. Maybe we also trade up and take the receiver or the Will Anderson or whoever it might be. Right? I, th- I think that's a really interesting point you make. And uh, I think something we're going to follow hard coming this upcoming draft. It's kind of a tangent there. Sorry, but I just thought no, that was a really I, interesting comment. I have a tangent of my own because I, I absolutely love what you said. And we just looked at some of the trades. I didn't even talk about the Patrick Mahomes trade. I didn't talk about the Carson Wentz t- trade. Yeah. We just didn't have time. The last time... I can remember an NFL team moving up in a draft with significant value attached to it. And I say like on the returning end of the team that they're trading with was Mahomes. And it wasn't even that much. If you look back in history, Carson Wentz, um, you know, Matt Stafford was traded up for, if I remember correctly. No, he was not. But there's a list here. Goff was the Goff was um, was who I was thinking of. Yes. From the Rams Um, for the Rams. Usually it doesn't end well. Usually you give up all these assets and you bust on the pick or it's Jared Goff and hey, he's good, but maybe not right for our system. We need just a a bump up. You know, we need a Matt Stafford. Okay, well, now we've wasted all of those assets. And my takeaway here is damn Carolina is a shitty ass football team. You really could have used those assets. Now, in hindsight, if you end up with with CJ Shroud, maybe we're looking at like this, like, damn, they, they made the right move. You know, maybe, maybe we're like, Hey, he's even making Adam Thielen look like he's 26 again, like young had earlier (laughs) in the year. And maybe he's making DJ shark finally shine the way we've always thought shark could have a season if he had a really good quarterback, but that's just not how it happened. And now here we are with Carolina's pick in the bears hands and them possibly having the opportunity to take a, a franchise altering quarterback. And I, and I just say that because Houston didn't trade up. They didn't have to give up the assets and they got, blessed with getting cj and i said it draft day when they traded for anderson i said damn they must know something i don't know about cj there's no way you do this and sacrifice a top five pick next year unless you know you're bringing a dog into the house like they had to have some inkling that this was the last chance they got to draft in the top five and damn i think they were right yeah for sure I, i think they got i don't know if it was their third or fourth win this year but I wouldn't be surprised to see them float around 500 at the end yep. of the season with this division. Um, you know, you and I didn't like Will Levis, but to your point of sitting back and waiting, we'll see. We'll see how he looks. You know, I, I think he's looked good with Hopkins and uh, he's brought some life to that team. He looks better than Ryan Tannehill, which is well, actually surprising to me, to be honest with you. Last thing, Matt, about Houston, you know, let's just think about that win they had in the final game of the year. But if yeah. they lose that game and they draft Bryce Young. Right. 
you know, or maybe it, they it, take Stroud the whole time. Who knows, sure. man? Yeah, yeah, sure, for sure. Um, crazy though, just how how the dominoes fall, how one single game can matter over the course of a twenty year span. Yeah, it, well, it that's does. like the Jets beating the Rams that game that they beat them, and they ended up getting the second pick and getting mm. Zach Wilson instead of having Trevor Lawrence, right? Like there's all sorts of stuff <laughs> yeah. that happens in the fact that they were so that, that oh, draft man. class is so amazing. Like that case study is after this season transpires in Chicago with how Justin Fields, how that all ends up playing out is going to be like, we might have to do a whole podcast one day on just those quarterbacks alone from, yeah. from Lawrence Lawrence, to Mac Jones on the top 20 and what the fuck happened. And we thought that was the best quarterback class of all time. (laughs) And honestly, outside of Lawrence and hope maybe Justin Fields, like they all stink. Yeah. They all stink. Um, Anyways. All right, let's move on to the next one. Topic three kind of got off. off Um, I, I wrote this down just for the notes because I genuinely feel this way, but also I think it's really good uh, topic for conversation, especially based on like the matchup that was the Cowboys Eagles this past weekend is I actually don't think Dak is the full problem in Dallas, but at the same time, I don't think he's the solution. Now I know that sounds confusing, right? But I think Dak does everything that the team needs him to do. But where the team isn't holding up their end of the bargain is on the defensive side of things. Now, I know losing Trayvon Diggs is huge, but at the end of the day, when they're playing these good, more talented teams like the San Francisco 49ers, like we saw this past Sunday against Philly, their defense can't come up and make the stops necessary to put their offense in a better position to win. And that ultimately leads to Dak having to make big time plays, big time decisions, clock management and different things that he's proven this past Sunday and throughout his career to just not be able to do. So I don't love Dak, but I also don't think if you're a cowboy fan or you're on a podcast or in the media, like you and I are that you can just throw all of your blame onto him because he is playing above average. He's playing very good football right now. I don't think it's all completely on him right now. Matt, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. It is it is absolutely Dak Prescott's fault that he's not Patrick Mahomes. Um, <laughs> what what the hell, man? Like you can't you can't be the best in the game. That that's what I hear from the media, Matt. Like you you're blaming the guy for not being Michael Jordan. Like I'm sorry, he's the Dallas Cowboys quarterback, and I'm sorry that he's not the best. Like it sucks. He's not Patrick Mahomes, but right. he's he's a good quarterback and solid. We talked about Diggs' injury and the implication that it would have, and we're seeing that. And I don't think we're necessarily just seeing it from a talent perspective. I think we're seeing it from a mentality perspective as well. I think that defense had a lot of confidence in each other, and when you lose your guy, your star, things change. And I also think back to the Chandler Jones five-sack game. This was probably four or five years ago now in Arizona, and I think it was week one. National media is like, oh my gosh, he's unbelievable. What a what a trade from the Patriots. He's going to be the, the next great pass rusher for Arizona. And I don't think he has sacked for like six or seven weeks. And I bring it up because Micah Parsons, after week one, was talked about as maybe better than um, than LT. That was, that was on the national media being ran. Better than the greatest rush end ever. And he had a really nice game, but that also fed into the narrative that the Dallas defense was unbelievably elite. That's just not the case. They're good against bad teams. 
they're pretty good against average teams. And against good teams, they get exposed because they have holes that cannot be filled because of poor roster construction. And at the end of the day, I think ultimately we've just hyped them up to be more than they are. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of the, the Cowboys thing, but you're right. It, the, there's holes in the team that are that it's a problem. And I love Parsons and I think he's really good. But when you go up against a good scheme and a good offensive line like Philadelphia and a great quarterback like Jalen Hurts, you, you get neutralized pretty fast. So well, um, in, a, in a Hall of Fame line, you know, 49ers, I mean, yeah, Eagles, but, right? Like yeah, it's different. Sure. But you want to win the Super Bowl or you yeah. want to get to the Super Bowl. You're looking right in the face of the teams that you need to beat. Um, I definitely don't think their season's over whatsoever, though. And Dak is playing. Dak is playing really well. He's playing like Kirk Cousins out there, you know. Um. <laughs> they just get trapped. They get trapped in in time in time. Um, you know, it's. I think back to that Des Bryant catch. I will always think back to that. It, that was that was their best shot, maybe, in the Dak Prescott era. You know, you think back to the Tony Romo era and the fumble. You know, there was always one or two well, plays. Tony, well, Romo was the quarterback during uh, the Des oh, yes. Bryant catch I'm sorry. time. I'm sorry. The, uh, Dak, the and Dak Prescott was the uh, it was the Jared Cook catch. The Jared Cook catch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> damn, the Cowboys fans should hate Aaron Rodgers more oh, than sure. anybody else. For sure. Um, sorry about that. But yes, and, and I think back to those games, even with even with Romo and, and Des, like, the best years they had to win Super Bowls, little shitty things happened. And now they're stuck in time because they're still a good football team, but they have elite teams around them. You know, the 49ers who we've talked about who have managed their cap perfectly and have this elite level talent and fall into Fred Warner because they allowed a certain trade for a certain quarterback to be drafted and blah, 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 blah. And it's just it, it feel for the Cowboys fans because um, I, I just don't think this team is good enough to win a Super Bowl or even get there. Yeah, I agree. And I'm also don't feel bad for the Niner fans either. Like you bring up the fall into Fred Warner. They have the one or two. They have two bad seasons and it results in fucking Nick Bosa. Like go cry me a river. Okay. Um, They've also also, beat the shit out of us our entire lives. It doesn't help. Also, yeah, 100 percent. Also, another team in scenario to like do a full podcast on one day yeah. is the Niners in like everything that team's been through for the past since Jim Harbaugh left, basically, you know, it's crazy case study. Um, anyways, last thing I wanted to talk about, and it is of course roster construction, man. Like that's what we talk about. This is the roster construction pod. <laughs> it is, well, yeah, is we, the team. That, this, yeah, <laughs> this is time. This is the time though. like, in all seriousness, the failed roster construction in Buffalo is fully coming to fruition right now. Stop putting all the blame on Josh Allen. Now he's turning the ball over, making mistake here or there. They literally don't have a wide receiver too that is any good. They're relying on a rookie tight end to be their second best option on offense. They have no run game. And we've been saying it for three years, draft a running back, sign a running back, do anything you can to take some pressure offensively off of Josh Allen because no shit he's fumbling or throwing interceptions. No one respects the fact that they're going to even run the ball so it's easy to defend. And there's only so much Stephon Diggs can do out there. And we're finally seeing it. The Bills lost this massive game Sunday night. They're out of the playoff picture. It's early. But it's time to put that 
GM on blast in the Buffalo Bills organization, your failed decision-making, not drafting Brees Hall, not signing a good running back in free agency, not giving Josh Allen the necessary help on offense, paying him, losing good defenders, and now they don't have that elite number one defense. This is what happens. Matt, you know I'm uh, a little bit reactive and filled with rage sometimes, and um, I have a question for you. You've seen Tropic Thunder, correct? The movie? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So if I happen to win the lottery over the next week, I'm going to buy the Buffalo Bills, and I'm going to hire Tom Cruise to come in as Les Grossman, and I'm going to have him (laughs) systematically fire everyone in that front office in in Les Grossman fashion, because not drafting Brees Hall and not getting Leonard Fournette to start the season is fireable offenses. I haven't 100%. been able to say that in a while, but fireable offenses. And I've said it that. It has I think, been a while. I have. I think the last time I said it was about the Bills last year when we were bitching about their run game. Um, and if I have, if we have to say that on a amateur podcast, you know, let's we're not nationally sponsored. It's embarrassing that you have the same problem again. It is the same massive hole yet again, and you still have a job. And that's really funny because it goes into our private conversation we were having about our jobs or more or less my job off air. But at some point, accountability has to be had. And I think we need to see what Leonard Fournette can do for this offense. And I really, really, really hope he's an answer because I, I like Leonard. And I, I, I think he should, he should have had a job this year. He should be a starting NFL running back. He just is he's in the wrong era. And he didn't get a touch this past week. I get it. You know, readjusting to a new playbook and a new offense and all that. But at this point, you're right. Roster construction. They've given Allen nothing to, to help his development into the elite level status. And when you have Diggs and you have Gabe Davis, who I have said for years is completely garbage. And I'm sure he's not actually garbage. It's just he's not a number two. He's a number three. And you don't have a number two. And now you have the tight end who's supposed to facilitate that role. You don't have a running back. What is he supposed to do except run around and throw the ball wherever? Like, yeah, all he can do is play like Brett Favre. Yeah, Yeah. there's no choice. So it's really unfortunate. And uh, I think, too, again, back to a case study, like maybe they could have made a move here and there and and changed the entire facet of their defense and offense. But it's funny because Patrick Mahomes was essentially drafted in their position. They ended up taking Tredavious White and ultimately flipping other picks from that deal to get Dawkins on the offensive line. So they worked out pretty well um but now patrick mahomes is beating them it's very ironic all right y'all well we'll see you next week have a good safe weekend out there matt avoid the traffic Mm. you can find us on twitter tiktok instagram at pitcher bet pod we'll see you guys later